Welcome back, listeners, to another Touchline Takes podcast. Uh, it is I, super host Cameron, um, and I just wanted to give you a couple brief notes before listening to uh, this particular podcast. Uh, so what you're getting with this podcast is a bit of a roundup in terms of uh, things that have been going on in world football, uh, and then we will transition into some very fiery hot takes um, straight out of the oven. We came up with a list of five questions uh, that will all sort of provoke some fiery takes or, um, you know, at least get us thinking. So uh, that's what you'll be getting with this podcast. Uh, we also did record a second episode of our world tour. Um, so that is where we go to different countries. We kind of explore uh, their football pyramid um, or lack thereof in some cases and uh, just kind of give you an idea of what's going on there. Maybe it'll be enough to make you want to go ahead and follow one of those teams or um, maybe just research more for yourself. So um, if you want to listen to that podcast, just make sure to check the feed. It will be there as well. Uh, these were both part of the same podcast. We did split it up. Uh, a couple sections may seem a little awkward or we may make references to things we said earlier in the podcast. So you'll just have to listen to both to find out what we meant by that. Unfortunately, we did miss uh, the messy news, the uh, Lionel Messi news with this podcast. Uh, it's kind of been ramped up since we recorded uh, the Harry Maguire story and his little scuffle in Greece and ensuing legal drama, uh, as well as uh, Weston McKinney making a transfer to Juventus. So those are a couple things we missed. Uh, they will definitely be included within our next podcast. Um, and without further ado, let's get into this one. episode three of touchline takes coming at you uh we've got a great episode this week a lot has happened in world football uh since we last spoke uh together me and carl here as well as to all you listeners out there uh we know you are numerous we know we have a small army of fans so don't anyone try to tell us otherwise um carl are you excited about today's episode I'm really excited about today's episode, Cam. Um, it's uh, it's one that's it's really interesting, and we found a lot of fascinating things looking into today's episode. And there's a lot of fascinating topics to talk about, um, from the Champions League, the Europa League, and a bunch of other stories. You know, as leagues start to get started up, and you know, it's just a short break until the season starts again for a lot of leagues. So it's a lot of fun topics to talk about tonight. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably a good point that you brought up there. Like, it's um, usually you kind of have to go through a summer of uh, wild speculation, and mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of time to kind of mull things over, uh, really digest the previous season before um, you know you get ready for what's coming up. But hey, <laughs> this year we we did not get that. We um, it's great for the fans. I've been really confused. It's great for the fans. Probably probably awful for the teams. Yeah, I've been confused by the transfer window. I'm not sure if it's open or if it's already closed or what's going on. So it, it's crazy, man. I, I, I just like everything happens so fast. I kind of like it. The football never stops. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely like it. And I mean, even I guess technically this year it wouldn't have stopped because we would have had the European Championship. So it would have been, you know, sort of one of those different summers to begin with. But I think when you look at it, a lot of clubs with that, you know, weird transfer window don't really get a lot of time, like you said, to mull things over. And a lot of clubs are going to pull the trigger, you know, pretty fast on players who they think are going to make a change for their team in this new season. Yeah, definitely a weird one. Um, definitely a lot of lessons will be learned. 
I would imagine some teams are just going to implement a certain strategy and go forward with it. But uh, speaking of strategies and moving forward with it, let's uh, let's get right into the Champions League and Europa League finals that uh, took place uh, Friday. And I guess I messed it up, but the Europa League final took place on Friday and Champions League final took place on Sunday. Um, so, Carl, you pick. What do you want to start with? Let's start, you know, let's go chronological. Let's start with the Europa League and, you know, discuss okay. that a little bit. And then we can get more in depth with the Champions League after that. Okay. So, yeah, um, I think the Europa League really, it should have come as no surprise to anyone that uh, Sevilla were going to find a way. Uh, they are kings of the Europa League. And um, I think it was it was definitely more of a statement this year because I think everyone would agree that uh, Conte's Inter were... You know, they, they definitely had a strong showing of force this year. I don't know if, um, you know, they were really had a good run of form coming into this game. But what do you think about that? Oh, I mean, it's it's tough. And maybe you have a little bit of that psychological aspect, too, um, where Sevilla, you know, every time they seem to be in this game, they always seem to find a way to win. Um, and with Inter, and I'll have to look and double check to see when, you know, their uh, respective season and, you know, seasons ended. And so, um, you know, it's just kind of that run of form might have not been there. They might have been, you know, dealing with um, a few players who are unfit. But Sevilla just know they know how to win in these big matches like that. And, you know, it's just like they might as well just call that the Sevilla Cup um, because it's just, you know, for the past decade, it's. It's just been them winning that title. Yeah, it is getting a little ridiculous. Um, when you when you look at it, it's it's just Sevilla. It, it really has been their competition at least over the past decade. Um, you know, they have appeared in in the finals in 06, 07 as well. But you know, 2014, 2015, 2016, and <laughs> 2020. I mean, they basically created uh, that rule where the third place team in the groups of the Champions League falls down into the you know Europa League to um <laughs> to or not that rule I guess I would say I mean they benefit from that rule because they just aim for third place but uh the rule where the winner of the Europa League goes on to play in the Champions League next year and they just took advantage of the third place rule so um but in terms of the game itself yeah I think first and foremost you have to feel bad for uh Lukaku mm. oh yeah no definitely it's just uh... You know, I he, he seems the the way sort of things ended at Manchester United and, you know, going to Inter, like he just it, it's tough to, you know, have that happen in that sort of game. So, um, you know, it's it's heartbreaking and, you know, he I he's gonna have a great season next year, I feel like though. I feel like he's gonna, you know, really perform again and he really fits in that to that system really well. Um, but no, it's it's really hard not to feel for him. Yeah, no, um, and, and, you know, he had such a great season. Um, it, it, it really season. is tough. And I think uh, even more so when you look at that that team that Inter has, I mean, don't get me wrong, Sevilla has some good players. Um, mm-hmm. Luke de Jong was definitely one of my uh, favorite players to use back when I was more of a uh, FIFA Ultimate Teams uh, player. Mm-hmm. But um, when you look at the whole squad, it, it isn't exactly like formidable or star-studded by any means. Oh, no. But, um, I mean, you look at the current lineup from the Inter Milan team, you know, you have established stars like Diego Godin. Um, Grant, you know, he's aging a little bit, but uh, <laughs> still definitely a world-class player. Uh, Steven Devrij. 
uh, a solid, you know, back. He's definitely stood his place for both the Netherlands and his club career. Um, you know, uh, standout stars like Ashley Young. Uh, if nobody understood that that was a joke, it was in fact a joke. <laughs> uh, We're going to be Taro Martinez, all the Man United fans. <laughs> yeah, all the Ashley Young stands. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a good team, and and they it seems like they're going to only continue to strengthen that in the next year, and that's something that uh, I'd like to go into depth a little bit more on. But first, I'd like to um, just kind of say what was the standout. Uh, kind of point from that game that you took away? Oh, man, that dude, you don't want to play severe in the Europa League final. Um, no, um, I, I definitely think the the standout point is probably that Inter Milan, even though they lost that game, I think they're really going to push Juve next year in Syria. Um, I think, you know, this was kind of the culmination for them. Um, you know, Conte kind of taking that team over and really like putting his identity in that team and the players he has. I mean, that team is going to be really good in Syria next year. And um, I think you, you're going to see them challenging pretty hard Juve for that, for that title. Yeah. And I think, you know, in some ways you could argue that um, Sevilla might've actually had a a more difficult road to the final. Um, I know that's kind of open to interpretation, Mm. but I mean, if you look at the knockout round, um, they did have to beat Roma, who is, you know, no slouch. I know that's, you know, probably a little bit easier than Inter if you want to compare the Italian teams. Um, but then beating Wolves, that's no easy feat. Wolves are, are a good squad. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, and then they, you know, they beat a resurgent Manchester United en route to the, the final from the semifinal. Whereas if you look at who Inter played, I mean, they beat Shakhtar. And, and that, you know how much I love Shakhtar. So, yeah. Uh, but still, that's a big win, and it, it's, yeah, and then before that, it was Bayer Leverkusen, and before that, it was Getafe, and neither of which had a particularly amazing season. Um, so, I mean, and, and I was watching Bayer play Rangers, and even when they played Rangers, they they you know they won convincingly four one over two legs, but it, it wasn't. There were there were moments where I was surprised that, that uh, Leverkusen were really just not as as they didn't have as much teeth as I thought they would against um, Rangers. Yeah, no, and I I think you're always going to look at these sort of finals either in the Europa League or in the Champions League um, with when you had the quarterfinals and the semifinals. You know, you only had one leg, and I know there's going to be a lot of people looking at that like, oh, maybe, you know, Manchester United could have beat Sevilla over two legs, or oh, maybe Inter would have been there and would have lost if it was over two legs, and you're going to have those arguments. Um you know, because just how weird this season has been. Um, and so taking nothing away from those two clubs, but it definitely, you know, gives you that sense of, oh, what would have happened if you did have, you know, those away legs or those home legs that you didn't get to see. Yeah. And I mean, credit to you know, where credit's due. Uh, Luke Deong put in a good shift. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, Sevilla just, they, they definitely got a little bit lucky at the end. But, um, this is their competition, so I think people do tend to expect them to get lucky and also to just be fierce competition. Oh, yeah. um, but I think with that said, Carl, um, do you have any thoughts on on kind of where Inter's at right now? Um, do, do you think there was an issue behind the scenes with this game? Do they not have the right mentality to win games like this? Are they signing the wrong players when it comes to um, finals of this caliber? That That's... 
that's tough. You you do look at that roster and you kind of think that maybe they don't have the type of players or the type of mentality or maybe even not even the type of coach to really play in these big games. Um, but I'm one to think, you know, um, that it's they're building they're building something good and those players really you know they 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 fit together well um and playing in those big games it 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 might have come as kind of a mental thing um and i think you're right on that and it's uh like i said earlier i think you know when you have a club like sevilla who's been so successful in this Europa League final um, and even though on paper I believe Inter were the better team I believe that you know that sort of mentality gets into your head as players and you know you know that maybe this team they're gonna get lucky and maybe you know you kind of tense up and you tighten up as players and um, yeah yeah I'm just I'm just thinking you know like besides and, and it sounds crazy saying this but besides Alexis there really isn't a lot of um of big game experience, um, especially, and I, and I mean that in the sense that, you know, Alexis has, uh, you know, won a massive competition with, uh, with Chile, um, you know, winning the Copa, am I, what, what, what is, what competition is this? Copa South, South America? Or the South American Cup. We can just call it the South South American American Cup. South American Cup. Sure. Um, you know, with, with Chile winning that, you know, you could say Alexis sort of has that big game experience and Mm -hmm. being able to persevere, but you know, you can't, the same quite, can't quite be said for, uh, Diego Godin with, um, Atletico, you know, they did reach that champions league final, but they fell short. They did. Um, I I will say, I will counter that point because Godin did play with Atletico when they won those Europe, uh, Europa league finals. So he, he, yeah, that's true. He, that's he true. was one of the few players there, I think, on that team that, along with Alexis, that had that experience. Yeah. But still, you look yeah. at other players, Christian Eriksen, you know, you, you look at these yep. players, and I know Eriksen played in Champions League final last year. They didn't win. So, again, you don't have that experience of really winning a big match like this. And yeah, and on top of that, I'd say Lukaku is kind of known for coming up short against, um, mm-hmm. you know, big competition big games things mm-hmm. things of that nature i mean he plays fantastically for belgium but um right i don't i don't know if that that confidence doesn't seem to quite translate to the club game and i'm sure he right now is feeling awful as it is so you know i don't really want to focus on him for no. too long no of course not no i i definitely think that you know it was a good match Sevilla fair play to sevilla and um you know i think Inter will be fine though i think they will have a really good season this year yeah. Um, well, with that said, Carl, uh, the only other thing I want to mention is looks like Conte is kind of throwing a little hissy fit right now. Um, I've heard a lot about him being upset with the amount of transfer spending. Um, you know, he wants them to open their, their piggy bank and, and sign the right players. And, you know, as well as I'd say, as Alexis Sanchez has worked out, I did always find that move a little strange. It seemed like Manchester United were getting out uh, easy with that one. So, yeah. you know, hopefully, hopefully Conte can get a little bit more. I do really hope that they can end up competing with Juve, but, you know, it remains to be seen. So anyways, um, moving onward, the Champions League, Carl, what do you have to say about that? It was, you know, I... Uh... Maybe my bias is going to shine through with this, but, um, you know, I've always liked PSG. I've always liked the club and, you know, mm-hmm. as a, as a, you know, a Brazilian football it's fan too, 
um, you know, as a country, as as a country, as the players, you know. Didn't know you were such a big guitar fan. <laughs> no, no, of course not. I I I like the players. Don't like the club. Don't like the ownership. Um, okay. And you know, there we go. Um, so like players like Thiago, you know, the Brazilians on that team, Marquinhos, and even Neymar. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I am I will go to my grave saying this but i i still think neymar is the third best player in the world behind ronaldo or messi put them in any order you want those two um i know there's many arguments to be made but i really think neymar is that top level talent player um i just wish his attitude was better um sometimes on and off the pitch um but you know i I really felt for him. Um, I, yeah. I, you know, you saw... And I think that was a question I actually had for you um, prior to the game, but I, I, I kind of want to get in on recording as well. Um, so I, I guess I'll frame it for you this way. Now, I'm going to frame it if he had won and if, you know, and with the current circumstance having not won, do you think he's worth the 220 or so million that uh, PSG paid for him? Uh, to get him from Barca. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people might have kind of pushed the needle towards, yeah, it was worth it if they had won this final. Do you think even without the win, he's he's still worth that fee? I, I'm going to say yes. And why I'm going to say yes is because I think for years, you know, even, you know, since the new ownership took over, PSG has had that trouble getting over that hump to even get to this point. And the last couple of years that Neymar has been with the club, he has, you know, been injured and he hasn't been 100% fit. And I think this is the first year in these, you know, later stages of the Champions League that you really saw him fit. And, um, I, I think that he, without him, they don't get to this final. Um, I think he has definitely got them over that hump. Mm-hmm. And I think he's really starting to prove that he is worth that money. Again, I don't think other people are going to agree with me until he wins a title. And maybe even when they do win that Champions League title, I'm not, see, I'm not saying if, I'm saying when they do win that Champions League when, title yeah. with Neymar. I think people I still. Think, I think they will still argue that he wasn't worth it just because of his attitude. But I mean, yeah, his, his it's his talent. I think it's really itself. transitioning the team, though. I think that what you're saying um, is true. I think that they are. It, it almost seems like the door is more open now mm-hmm. for them to continue to have a strong shot every year. I think you know the past couple of years, people have seen them as a team that just continues to falter, and right. you know you could call that happening this year as well in the final but I see it a little bit differently I see the team kind of becoming more well-rounded um they're still definitely top heavy but uh they seem to have that mentality and especially under uh Thomas Tuchel their manager I think I think they're they're only going to be more well suited uh for this competition if they can improve their defense a little bit Mm -hmm. especially with Thiago Silva leaving um to Chelsea Mm -hmm. uh they're they're gonna need some replacements there um but I think they've got the right mentality now it seems like they've finally gotten over that hump you know yeah exactly and I mean we were just talking about with the Inter and Sevilla match how much you know mentality goes into playing these big matches like the Europa League like the Champions League and 
you know, after getting over that hump, getting that monkey off your back, I think this club is really, you know, going to trend in the right direction and makes it easier that they have a cakewalk through through League Un every single year. Um, And so they can kind of really focus and put that focus on the Champions League and, you know, bringing that title home to Paris. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think... (laughs) One thing I'm realizing here is uh, we've spent all this time talking about PSG, and that might just go to show, uh, you know, how how impressive of their playing staff they have. But let's let's talk a little bit about Bayern. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole story of this Champions League seems to be their decisiveness. I mean, they didn't lose a single game in the tournament. Um, if I, I, I have this correct, I'm pretty sure they won every single game. I think it's really remarkable that we're even at the point that we're talking about Bayern and the German giants like as if they're underdogs. And you would have said a decade ago or even 15 years ago, people would have called you crazy. And I think that really goes to show like how football sort of transitioned throughout the rest of the top five leagues. I mean, with... uh, um, especially in places like England and in Italy and like, you know, you you're talking a lot more about, oh, is Man City or Liverpool or Manchester United going to win the Champions League this year instead of like Bayern Munich, who now has won seven Champions League titles like, you know, people don't talk about them that much heading into the Champions League anymore. Yeah, I think, you know, what becomes evident is the the just complete nature of their squad like you you look at the team and you can kind of go through each position individually and I I never really get the feeling when I'm just thinking about any of their players that "Eh, that's a weak spot in the team you know Mm -hmm. like you look at their their back four and it's it's deadly I mean you've got Alfonso Davies who incredible (laughs) I don't don't think much needs to be said about about this guy he's definitely a, a world-class talent for years to come mm-hmm. uh and then you got you got david alaba uh jerome boateng and joshua kimmich i mean that's a back line <laughs> that is tell me one bad part on that back line there there isn't one like i mean there. even after who who was it was it boateng that got injured during that final and then nicolas yeah, he went Soule off the 20, in the 25th minute nicolas yeah. Soule comes on the guy's a mountain i mean he he, exactly. he could eat all the other players instead of defending them you know like the guy is probably one of the biggest defenders in football just size pure size wise and he's coming off the bench for you like i mean he would be starting i would say on just about any other club in europe but he's coming off the bench for bayern yeah, I mean, they've got Ivan Perisic on the bench, Pavard. Um, I mean, like you and, said, they have Sule on the bench, and, this, and, uh, and they had Coutinho as well. I mean, this is just a, a fairly stacked team that I think people forget just how stacked they are. And they're adding Leroy Sané. They're adding Leroy Sané. Yeah, they're adding. <laughs> <laughs> if they needed more pace, I mean, they've, they they've got it now. I mean, he's a decisive player. I, I, I'm shocked a little bit. I mean, this is not anywhere near a uh, a topic of conversation for Man City but you know I'm shocked they let him go and instead kept uh, Raheem Sterling I honestly feel like if Sané was worked into that team a little bit more I mm-hmm. think he would be more beneficial but yeah, um, yeah I mean and speaking of which um, so looking at that front line um, ignoring I mean the fact that they've got Leon Goretzka and Thiago Alcantara um, 
El Alcantara, sorry, uh, in the in the midfield is is just crazy. Like each one of those players alone would be a superstar on any other team, but uh, I think it just goes to show why they work so well as a team because each mm-hmm. one of them is, you know, world class. Yeah, it's it's really ridiculous, and it is kind of funny. Like I caught myself after you mentioned it. I'm like, am I really talking about Bayern as if there's some sort of under, underdog in this situation? Because you look at that team and you're just like. That's insane. Like there, there's like you know they they should have been favorites from the start. Like it's just it's insane. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, um, I think a lot of people, oddly enough, want to talk about how people expected uh, PSG to catch Bayern's high line. And mm. I, I kept thinking to myself whenever I've I've, I've heard comment, uh, you know, pundits, I guess we can say, uh, talk about that, like. Have you seen Bayern's back line? Like, if anything, they can get wherever they need to be in oh. a, in a matter of no time. The, I mean, the, Jerome Boateng isn't exactly a speedster, but I mean, the rest of them, like, there's coverage there for days. Yeah, I, both Davies and Kimmich, you know, they're gazelles. Like, Davies can, you know, probably could play either midfield or winger for them, and and Kimmich, you know, can play all over the field for them. So, I mean, they can they can cover that. I mean, I I will say that yeah. I thought. I thought PSG had a lot of chances, and Manuel Neuer had, you know, a fantastic game. I felt like Mbappe and Neymar, uh, especially Neymar at the end, probably could have scored a few times. Mbappe could have scored a few times during the game. Uh, Marquinhos had a big miss late in the game that could have tied it. They had their chances, um, but again, you know, it's... Bayern Munich were just too good. They they just all over the pitch. They were, you know, just the better team by far. They were, man. I, I just don't have much more to say. Um, I just wanted to kind of, I guess, I was about to say memorialize, but I don't think that's the right word for no, it. Um, but I guess congratulate Bayern. Thomas Thomas Mueller on a fantastic season. He's had quite the resurgence. I mean, he's being talked about bringing back into the fold in the German national team, which seems obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, Robert Lewandowski, obviously an incredible player. Too bad the, the Ballon d'Or is not um, being voted on this year for, totally, man. you know, the de facto world's best player award. Uh, otherwise, I would say it should go to him. 100%. And even Kingsley, Kingsley Coman holding it down, scoring the game-winning goal. So against his old uh, club. You know, against his old yeah, club. Yeah, that, you know? It's, you, you love to see it. You, you love to see it. Unless unless you're French and you're a PSG fan, then maybe you hate to see yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that, that actually brings up a good point, though, Carl. Is it, it was a good year for France. You know, two teams making the semifinals of the... Of the Champions League, especially mm-hmm. with Lyon uh, handedly beating Man City. So, yeah, it was a good year for France. I don't think they can complain. No. Uh, Germans would definitely find a reason to complain about this because of Leipzig. Uh, or Leipzig? Leipzig. 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 Yeah. I, I think, you know, they're probably happy to have a team holding up the coefficient, you know, keeping those uh, spots Nice and cozy for them, the Champions League, but uh, you know, you know how the Germans feel about them. Yeah, Good old oh yeah, Rosenball sport. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's all I had to say about the Champions League, the Europa League. I definitely liked the uh, one-legged format as opposed to the home and away matches. It was fun in the knockout stages. Do, yeah. do you, do you yeah, like the neutral fun. venue too? I mean, I, I don't know how that would be possible. You know, when you have a normal season, you still have your. Um, 
your uh, season going on in your own country but um i thought it was neat i thought it was I cool it, i especially for one-legged formats like you you can't like i understand you know home right, field or right. whatever you want to call it but definitely in one leg you can't give them home field over mm-hmm. one legged I, I do like that um, i do too and it, it's potentially a good way to you know if you can get say say you could get like a one of those countries to kind of bid for it as like a, a tourism type thing i mean they could really you know how usually the final at least is played in like a, a, a city that kind of vies for, for hosting. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could do that with these, like the semifinals and the quarters maybe. But um, I for for what it's worth though saying, um, I doubt UEFA will continue with this format mostly because the um, all the TV deals and sponsorship deals yeah. they have are based on the amount of games that they play. So it, it would significantly cut back on a lot of revenue oh, for yeah. UEFA and then the teams that are competing. So, I mean, good for the fans, bad for the money. Yeah. So I mean, bidding in what world can you football, say? Uh, nothing's ever gone wrong there with bidding in world football. So no yeah definitely no nation states that have <laughs> tried to bribe their way to sports washing so yeah definitely nothing wrong would happen with no that. never seen that happen before um, could not imagine a single nation state or corporate entity trying to play that game a little too hard uh and i think it's time that we we get in some spicy uh, takes don't do you think it. let's crack this open Let's stay true to our name. That's you know touchline takes. Let's let's spice things up, um, and I'm excited for this. We got mm. some good topics that I think are gonna you know create a lot of chatter, a lot of conversation um, for our listeners out there. So, um, yeah, this will be all over oh, social yeah. media. We're I'm sure. Go viral um, TikTok. Follow us on TikTok. Uh, actually, don't because we're yeah. banned. So in America now. So. Uh, yeah, so this is uh this is a section that we hope to continue, kind of make a recurring thing. Um, we've got five items in front of us that we're trying to get the, uh, the spiciest takes out of each other here. Um, there are five questions, five um, questions that we really tried to deviate a little bit from um, what most pundits, you know, on Sky or. ESPNFC are, are talking about. Um, you know, we got one that that might be touched on a little bit, but the rest we tried to think outside oh, the box. That's what we do. So, uh, without further ado, Carl, do you wanna do you wanna go first? Or do you want you can go, go first. first? You throw you, you can go first, and then we'll we'll uh, transition from there. Okay. So, Carl, uh, for our first hot take of the day, uh, will mm. Gabby goal, who has been sensational mm-hmm. for Flamengo. Uh, in uh, Brazil, will he return to Europe next January? Oof, I, I think yes. I think he has proven his resurgence in his, um, his ability not just for Flamengo, not just for club. You know, in the country of Brazil, for you know, Syria there. I think he has proved himself in the big games as well. You saw him last year in the Copa Libertadores final scoring those, you know, two goals in like the last five minutes of the match. Um, and he's just kept up mm-hmm. that pace. He's kept up that form. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Um, I... Yeah, do you have a? Do you quickly have a team you would think he would fit on? I think, or, I think uh, a team in Spain. Um, I could see him. I could see okay. him playing for a Valencia. 
I could even see him fitting in at its club like Sevilla. Um, I think those mm-hmm. kind of places would be really good for him. Um, and then even to you know throw it out even more, even a cr- club in England wouldn't surprise me. I could see him, you know, maybe getting a shot at like a, yeah, a Crystal Palace. I think Palace. he's got the physicality for I that. Really, or like a West Ham. Ooh. And I know these are like out there. I just I don't see him going there. I think uh, I think like a Crystal Palace would just be too much of a you're asking for him to fail type situation. It could be, but like... Just because of the I, supporting I, I cast. I feel like in asking him to fail type of situation is when he, you know, moved to Italy and he all of a sudden, you know, really didn't pan mm-hmm. out and they just gave up on him and threw him back to Brazil. Um, I don't think right out of the gate he would join a big club in Europe. Um, again, maybe he... You know, it's interesting because I was going to say, I honestly think he could fit you know it's it's tough to say this and you might think i'm kind of just way out in left field on this one but i i could almost see him replacing the inevitable departure of gonzalo higuain at uh at really? really yeah i think um i think playing with ronaldo would be mm. good for him i think he could learn a lot from ronaldo um i think he's got the supporting cast there to serve him up uh, I just don't know if he's got the right attitude to fit in a club like Juve, but um, that was just a place I, I was kind of thinking of that that could be looking for mm-hmm. a striker. Um, you know, he kind of he has a lot of the benefits that Gonzalo Higuain has, uh, but you know, he's got that youth on him. It, I was also combing my brain thinking of a place in England, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Juve sounded Even like a good Germany. idea to me. Um, wouldn't surprise i mean i know we're just naming all the countries in europe Mm. now just hoping one Mm -hmm. sticks um but i don't Mm -hmm. know uh i i think he will return to europe i hope he's successful um i i think he will be i i i still have my doubts um um i think I think Flamengo is a really good place for him right now. Um, I think he's really showcasing his class and showcasing his talent. He really works well with that club. Um, They're finally starting to figure things out with the new manager um, after their last one went to Portugal to coach Benfica. Um, I... It will be interesting to see. I think um, how this season ends sort of ends i mean or sort of goes in brazil Mm -hmm. i shouldn't say ends because um they're just getting started but uh i think it it would kind of show you know where he's at and what clubs are going to be looking for him in january um depending on their situations yeah and it's gonna Um, and it's on top of his performance it's gonna take uh, I mean, he they, Flamengo already paid mm-hmm. a decent sum to get him from Inter. I want to say it was like well over twenty five mil. Here's Might have been about thirty. Um, yeah, and which is a lot of money for Flamengo to spend in the first place. So, um, you know, I think on top of his form, he's gonna he's gonna command a big fee. So, it, I think the reason why I question if he'll go back that soon is because I'm not sure what club, unless they're desperate right. for goals is going to be signing him for, say, 50, 60 million mm-hmm. uh, come January because I think that's the type of fee that he, he commands now with his uh, Copa Libertadores success as well as just his general success mm-hmm. at Flamengo. Definitely. So I guess that's not... We don't have a, you know, we don't have a disagreement no. on that one. So let's move on to the let's, next one, Carl. You want right. to take this Number one? Number two, 
Cameron, current best talent production line in the world. And we're not talking about cars. We're not talking about toilet paper. We're talking about, <laughs> you know, football players. Who has the current best talent production line in the world? Yeah, um, you know, this one I really tried to not prepare for. I thought it would be sort of cheating to kind of go and look through who scored in transfer market to see who's really been pumping them out. Um, and and this is a tough thing for me to say because I, I really do love the club, but I I think Ajax has actually had some flops in mm-hmm. the recent years. Otherwise, you know, I think it would be an easy pick. Um, you know, Delict hasn't exactly panned out for Juve. He's young. He's, right. He'll have a chance. I'm not going to count him out yet. Uh, De Jong kind of looked like he was floundering in Barca a lot this year, was kind of played out of his position. Um, didn't really seem like the same De Jong that we saw from, you know, uh, Ajax reaching the semis. Um, so that's, I, I kind of have to cut Ajax out for now. Um, not that I, I want to. Um, you know, I'm going to go with... <sighs> it's it's kind of tough because it seems like there's been a lot of, of, of failures in their, in their right. recent couple of years. I mean, you could say Lille. You could say Nice. Um, probably more Lille. Uh, now, when we're talking, but I, we're I also talking talent s- production, we're talking youth players who come up through the system. I'm talking... Or just young. yeah, I mean, I'll I'll give it a little bit of um, I'll give it a little bit of leeway to say that you know if they were seventeen, eighteen, and playing for the first team, but they didn't necessarily play for mm-hmm. the academy there, I'll count okay. that. Um, so I think for my final answer, I I you know this is this is kind of a strange pick, but I'm I'm gonna go with Real Madrid. Oh yeah. And I think the reason why is something we've talked about. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. production, but uh, and I, so I am a little bit cheating here. But I would say their development has been impeccable. I mean, you look yeah. at Vinicius. Uh, you look at, at uh, you look at their their ability to work with Odegaard. Yeah. And I don't even um, think it's just you their, know you could even you know, say production. I think there's it's their scouting. Hundred percent. It's been their scouting too, um, all over the place. I mean, with Vinicius, they plucked him from Flamengo. They plucked Rodrigo from Flam or from Santos there in Brazil. They have scouted these kids and been like, when these kids are 15, 16 years old, been like, we like him. We think he's going to be good. We'll buy him when he turns 17, 18. Give him a year or two playing, you know, in Brazil, and we'll take him. Um, I think they. They have really turned sort of that corner of realizing that, wow, like after selling Ronaldo, like we got to build back up, you know, to being what we were. And it might be a little bit of a process and they might not have as much success, um, I guess, in the Champions League. I mean, they just won La Liga this year, but like it's going to be a little bit of a process to develop these players. But no, I I, I think yeah. you, you hit the nail on the head. And I mean... I haven't even mentioned, um, you know, they picked up Kubo from um, when Barca had their whole farce with um, signing kids that were way too young mm-hmm. to be signed. Um, they, they've got Hakimi. Um, 
Hakimi is not even playing for Real Madrid anymore. They sold him. I mean, that's the kind of wealth of talent mm-hmm. that they have right now. Uh, you could go as far as saying, you know, Rodrigo was another great pickup mm-hmm. in development. Um, Asensio, they obviously developed him through their system. Um, and I, one thing that I, it was weird that I had this thought. And then I'm almost like proving myself right. Um, because I was thinking like for a second, I'm like, wait a second. Jane Sancho played for Man City. And and then I was just like, well, wait, Brahim Diaz is on mm-hmm. Real Madrid, and they picked him up from City as well. So I think we'll continue to see Man City as a with all the investment they've put into their uh, youth development as well that'll, that'll come to fruition right. sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, for right now, I'm going to go with not necessarily for production, but just for pure development and, and also production. Real Madrid, and you know, I kind of hate going with that because it's a boring answer. Um, But I I think it goes to show that there's a little bit of thought that's being put into their their youth, which is refreshing from Real Madrid. No, I definitely I like that pick. I I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. One that was sort of crossing my mind, and maybe this doesn't really fit the description, um, but I was sort of thinking of Leipzig. And the reason why I say that is mm, they, mm-hmm. they, you know, a lot of those players might be, you know, late teens, early 20s. So maybe they're past that sort of like, you know, youth talent production line. But a lot of those players probably aren't going to stay at Leipzig. And a lot of those players are going to fetch a hefty sum to one of these bigger clubs at some point, um, you know, when the Barcelonas or any of these clubs start calling um, Upa Mercano back there at center back, Danny Olmo um, up there as forward. Um, they, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the French center midfielder's name, who begins with an N, um, is another fantastic one. And they, they've really, you know, um, sort of developed these players there at Leipzig to kind of really, you know, mm-hmm. give them a nice payday uh, somewhere down the road. Yeah, and I think, you know, for those who don't know, um, we're talking about Rosenball Sport, uh, which is effectively Red right. Bull. <laughs> Leipzig, just for uh, Bundesliga rules, they do go by RB or Rosenball Sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do also have a club in uh, New York, um, as well as they have uh, Red Bull Austria, which Salzburg, is Salzburg. Right? Um, do they have, a, they have a club in, in Brazil oh, as well, right? They do. I am again drawing a blank on the name, and I should know this. It's one of the newer ones. Um, I, I might have a brochure yeah. on this. Hold on one second. Gonna <laughs> but um, well, Carl's looking for that. Um, I guess I'll just I'll just say with, with this sort of format, it does get a little sticky. Um, you know, it it doesn't seem as as true to the uh, grassroots nature of youth development that um, clubs like Ajax have long perfected. Mm-hmm. Um, Benfica, Porto, other great examples. Um, or even sort of like the Red Star um, Belgrade and um, Partisan Belgrade as well. I mean, those are, and even Dynamo yeah. Zagreb. I mean, uh, the Balkans kind of have a, a good history as even. well, and that should be mentioned yeah. of developing. Yeah, Olympiacos. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's definitely tough to say that Red Bull does a good job with youth development when they have just thrown so much money at it and have purchased so many clubs to to aid in it. But um, what do you uh, have, it Carl? It is 
club. Hold on one second. Bragacino. Bragacino. I believe it's the pronunciation. I probably butcher that. My Portuguese is going to fail me there because I don't know this one too well. Um, but they're based in Sao Paulo. Um, and so oh, oh, they great. are just now. Uh, the, so the Red Bull partnership actually just began in April of 2019. Um, so it's a fairly, oh, so that's, it's that is fairly very new. new before the club was just called Bragacino. Um, and then they got their sponsorship with Red Bull and then they got promoted. Um, so I think that shows you the amount of money, you know, that Red Bull and kind of throws into these clubs to allow them to have success. Um, like you were just mentioning. Um, so, but they're. Yeah. Well, I guess, Carl, with that, since we are running at a hefty hour and a half, let's move on to our uh, third question. So um, this is a fun one. I, I do think I'm, I'm going to actually add in one other thing here. Um, so the best club outside of the top five leagues. Uh, and, you know, usually when we're talking top five, we're talking Spain, we're talking Germany, we're talking Italy, we're talking uh, England. And then it, it sometimes gets a little complicated with the top five leagues. But for now, I'm going to go with um, France. But I'm also going to take um, Portugal oh. out of the mix just because I, I know, I know it sucks. But, you know, I think Porto, Benfica are super easy targets. So I kind of wanted to open the floor a little bit more there to make you explore let me put on my thinking cap here. Best club outside <laughs> the top five leagues and then minus Portugal. Mm-hmm. Oh. So top so six, top I guess you could say. Six. I'm not sure if the UEFA coefficient matches up right now with that, but it might. Ajax really wasn't that great this year. Um, they kind of had a, after, you know, reaching the Champions League semifinals last year, I feel like they kind of, um, yeah, I mean, they lost a lot they of their didn't. core talent. but it, It's I, hard to say, though. Um, man, that is... It, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because there's, there's a lot... When you limit it like that, while eliminating you know, a lot of the giants, mm-hmm. it is, it's It's really difficult. It's like tough to kind of... I'm like trying to think because you have a lot of clubs um, like we're just mentioning Salzburg, um, very talented, great coach. um, But it's like and then even like, you know, a club like Shakhtar, it's fun to watch. Um, Shakhtar, you know, they had a pretty decent run in the Europa League Um, and they You know, they're always very impressive. They've been, you know, kind of a pipeline of Brazilian talent over the years. Um, oh, man, you really hit me with this one. This one's going to it's going to drive <laughs> me crazy. Um, I'm trying to. You know what? You know what I'm going to say? And maybe this is too far out there, but it's going to be a curveball. And because I I like some Mm -hmm. of the talent on this club, I think, you know, they have a lot of good players. Um, I'm going to say Zenit out in Russia. 
Okay. Uh, I was actually thinking I, about Zenit a little you bit. You know, they have Malcolm, who, you know, sort of really flopped there at Barcelona, unfortunately. But he's had he's been pretty successful in Russia for uh, Zenit St. Petersburg. Um, and then you have Lovren. You, you know, you you know a lot about Lovren. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Um, Wilmar Berrios, you know, another talented player. Like, they, they have a decent core of players that are pretty good. And I know that hasn't really translated to a lot of success when it comes to, like, European football and competing there. But, like, just the makeup of the club, um, you know, I think is – it's – it's really talented, um, and I think they're one of the better teams outside of the top five or six that we're talking about. Okay, yeah, I, I think that's um, I think that's a that's a good pick. Um, a lot of people forget about the talent that does exist in in Russia, um, and I think I think there's also a good one to mention is um, Krasnodar, and when if we're talking mm-hmm. about Russia as well, um, they're certainly on the rise. Um, you know they kind of they're fighting Zenit and and CSKA. I'm not sure how else to say yeah. it. Moscow and then Spartak um, Moscow too. Like this, and Spartak, yeah, it's kind of the big boys mm-hmm. out in Russia. Um, I do believe Russia not so long ago actually their coefficient was pushed them up maybe to sixth or seventh. Um, you know when Zenit had a couple good runs in the Champions League, so. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good pick. I I was struggling with who I was going with as well. I think Shakhtar is a great mm-hmm. pick. Um, seeing as they're you know in in Ukraine, I think it's uh, it's interesting that they they generally seem to do a better job than a lot of those Russian mm-hmm. teams. But I think what you said is it definitely holds true that they they have a good pipeline for talent, and that really keeps yeah. them afloat. Um. But let me see. Okay, so yeah, Ajax did not have a great season. Historically, I would say Ajax. Um, if I was pressed, Anderlecht didn't do that well under. Um, wow, why am I blanking on him right now? He's got a big old forehead. <laughs> uh, player manager, oh. Man City, smart dude. Oh man! Wow, I hate I hate when this happens. Like you, Vincent Company. Okay. Yeah, um, who actually just announced retirement and will just mm-hmm. be coaching uh, at Anderlecht. So, um, you know, they're historically another great team. Uh, man. Um, uh, and I think Salzburg were basically just Team Holland yeah. this year, and that's why they made – I mean, they they crashed out of the Europa League. So, uh, I, I you know, I think I'm going to go mm-hmm. with Shakhtar. Just because of their their historical ability to show that they can make deep runs into the Champions League uh, and Europa League and show uh, bigger clubs in Europe that they're mm-hmm. not afraid, um, you know, I also want to put some respect on um, Celtic and yeah. Rangers, who are I think they're kind of I mean I'm not sure how many people have been following this, but the Scottish league coefficient in terms of the UEFA rankings, um, which determines the allocation of the Champions League and the Europa League spots, moved significantly ahead this year. Um, thanks to both Celtic and Rangers. Um, I would say Rangers had a big year on that. Um, they went as far as, you know, uh, over two legs, defeating um, uh, 
a team from uh, Portugal this league uh, this year. I wish I could <laughs> tell you who that was. It's getting late head. at night. I watched both games. <laughs> yeah, it's getting late at night. But I mean, they, they did a good job on that. Um, so yeah, I, I can see if finances improve for both clubs, which they, if you look into their uh, TV deal in Scotland, it's yeah. pitiful. Um, they could definitely renegotiate that to improve the finances for those clubs and also the rest of the table. Those are some good ones to look at. Um, I'd say the Greek clubs, but the Greek clubs have really, you know, Olympiakos, Panathinaikos um, have not done a lot, AAK, over the past mm-hmm. couple of years. Um, one sort of curveball shout that I will give. Um, now, this is another one where they have not performed admirably within international competitions, at least for the past couple of years. Um, but Apoel, Nicosia, and mm. Cyprus, mm. Um, they have made the Champions League a couple of years, group stages, which is no small feat, um, along with some decent Europa League campaigns. So uh, I'm going to say Shakhtar and Applewell, uh, if for no effect other than just to get people to look into those clubs. I think those are some I interesting clubs. Agree. And I guess that brings us to question number four. Biggest disappointment mm. of 2020, or this last season, 2020. <laughs> other than yeah, just the just year other itself. Other than, um, you know, everything that's gone to, you know, just absolute awful. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. Who, who's your biggest disappointment of this last football season? You know, I think I'm going to run back to... Um, a player I just mentioned. Now, this is kind of a harsh criticism, but uh, Delict, Matthias mm. Delict uh, at uh, Juve, I think for the fee and just the sheer amount of hype, I don't think and he lived up to hold it on. at let, all. Let, uh, let me ask year. you this. Let me kind of bounce off this question. Would he yeah. have had more success at Barcelona? No. Um, well, one, I think, I don't think he got the play time he needed. Either way, um, two. I'm just. I I don't know. I think some of these kids from Ajax. I think they take the leap a little too early. Um, I think that my my decision in saying it was a disappointment might be heavily based. I mean, the kid was amazing at Ajax. I'm not going to downplay his his play there, but I think he might have still been overhyped. I think he could have benefited from another year at Ajax. Um, you know, it's not quite like De Jong where he was played out of position, but I think his sort of allowance to roam the way he did at Ajax um, definitely impacts uh, his play. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next year. It's kind of like a Hovic yeah. type thing. Like maybe they just need a year to adapt, and that's that should be fairly common. Um, you know, the same could be said for Nicolas Pepe and, and at Arsenal. We didn't have a terrible year, but definitely not what Arsenal yeah. fans would he, say he was showed worth flashes the during the year. Uh, but it was nothing like what he was supposed to kind of do when they signed him. Or, you know, it doesn't, it's very rare that the Arsenal owner kind of, you know, forks up that sum of money for a player and to have the player kind of, you know, flop or not really flop, but not kind of live up to that sum. Um, you know, not only is disappointment for the fans, but it probably has the owner going, well, you see, this is why I don't spend that money on a player. So, right. Um, and actually, you know, I, as I said, all that Carl, um, 
I think I'm actually going to change it real quick. And I, I have a final answer. And it's simply um, Inter not taking down Juve mm. in, uh, the, in, in the Serie A. It's just really getting disappointing year after year seeing Juve win that. Um, and I think a lot of Italian teams have had the opportunity to catch them, but just just can't yeah. pull it off. They can't hold the off. Year, I feel like this is the year. I was talking about it earlier. I think they'll catch them this year, but time will tell. Um, biggest disappointment. I got to say, and this one almost pains me to say because I loved him at Atletico, but Antoine Griezmann going to Barcelona, I think okay, I think is the pick. biggest disappointment this year. I feel like he just didn't really fit with that club. Um, and I, I think you can say mm-hmm. that about a lot of Barcelona players, and maybe that was poor you know, manager decision when it comes to tactics. He wasn't really put in the right positions. Um, but I think you know, Griezmann really just didn't live up to you know, sort of his ability and what he could have brought to that club. Um, and, you know, I'd, I, I, I agree. think, you, again, you can say the Barcelona team as a whole outside of maybe Messi um, was a big disappointment this year. Um, you know, you allow Real Madrid to win the league title or and then you, you know, bow out in the Champions League in, you know, sort of just embarrassing fashion. Um, it's... Uh, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow for Barca fans. And it hurts even more when you have, you pay that sort of, or you, you spend that money. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but Griezmann might've been a free transfer, but um, still it's, uh, no, I don't think he it's, was. Um, it's disappointing because, you know, he, there was a lot of hype for him going there and he, he didn't really pan out to what he could have been. Yeah. I keep hearing the phrase, you know, square peg round hole and that seems to be what Barca's transfer strategy has been over the past mm-hmm. three or four years um I mean Coutinho sort of seemed like a good idea um but he didn't quite fit the you know Inesta or Chavi no. mold um and I don't think I, I like Dayong. he seems to fit that mold a lot better and I think that might just be because that's the the philosophy similarities between uh, Ajax's youth system and uh, what traditionally Barcelona has been. Um, but yeah, between Griezmann being just not a traditional Barcelona striker, uh, and yeah. And Coutinho and even, uh, Arturo Vidal just didn't, it just never made sense to me. So I I don't, I, I like that saying square peg round hole because it's just like, they, they just hasn't worked out. They, they, They've lost their identity, and I mean, I think what they're doing too much is, um, and I hate to say this, but they're they're trying to build the club too much around Messi instead of allowing Messi develop into a club, you know, they build around themselves. And I think, you know, Messi's that type of generational talent that he can fit into a lot of you know certain tactics and a lot of certain squads and they're trying too much to you know fit the squad around him rather than build a squad and allow him to fit himself in that squad yeah because i think he can work with just about anything but it seems like they've just been moving away from what was the standard barcelona system Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I had something more to say about that, but uh, I guess, I mean, I was going to add in just the injury problems that have plagued um, both Dembele and Umtiti. So they, you know, they've had a rough go, but you know, people, people, I think they overblow it a little bit. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a disappointment for Barcelona, but they, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll be, be fine. they'll be fine. They, they, they they did all right. It's not like they were in fifth place or or you know worse in their league. It's not like they crashed out in the group stages of the Champions League. Right. They'll be okay. Right. But um, it, it remains to be seen what's going to fix that. So, um, anyways, uh, moving on. So, we said that a big, biggest disappointment, but we'll leave everyone on a more positive note. Um, what are you looking forward to the most with action starting again across world football? Now, as we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, the action never really stopped. But it is now sort of a new season, new so it season. is starting again. I would say. Um, what am I looking forward to most? It's ah, there's so many things. You know, it's it's it really exciting, um, especially when you know a new season's going to start and you're kind of seeing how you know the transfer market is going to wind up and what new faces going to end up on new clubs. Um, a couple. Uh, I I can't just take one, so I'm going to have to mention a couple and. Um, so bear with me here, but um, I think first, and this might be a biased choice, I'm really interested to see how Tottenham fares under a full season uh, with Jose Mourinho. Um, it's it's I think going to be really interesting to you know sort of see if he can. I mean they had a decent run at the restart, and he really took that team and placed them in a you know. A, um, a Europa spot late in the season after kind of, you know, struggling with Pochino um, early in the season. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what a full season under him is going to look like. And I'm really interested to see how this Chelsea team is going to fit together. Um, and I think with all their signings, yeah, actually, I'm I'm pretty interested in that too. Um, with all point. these signings coming in, and even like oh, what was just announced today with Thiago Silva, you know, coming there for a free transfer, and I know Thiago is uh, 35 years old, going to be 37 by the time the contract's up before he moves on to Arsenal. Um, it's uh, it's going to be you know he's still a talented player. He was the captain of PSG. He you know was kind of the anchor um, of that defense. Um, so this Chelsea's team's going to be a lot of fun, and it's even going to be even more interesting to see if uh, Lampard can, you know, kind of coach this many sort of egos, even being a young coach like he is. Yeah, no, those are all all great points. Um, definitely very interesting seeing what happens with Chelsea. Just they've made some interesting signings. It seems like they've uh, solidified some of those, the youth talent that um, they might have been unsure about at the beginning of the season um, with, you know, especially Tammy and, uh, and pool six. Um, so for me, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of what's going on in Scotland. Um, love the Celtic Rangers rivalry. So, uh, I'll be curious to see that. It seems like Rangers have finally gotten to a point where they are capable of taking on Celtic. Um, it might happen, might not, but, uh, you know, it, it seems like it's getting closer there, and they're they're both really trying to push for Europe. I think mm-hmm. that's that Celtic kind of 
didn't really put the effort in they could have while Rangers were kind of in the wild. So um, with Rangers pushing them this year, I think that'll be a, an interesting thing to, to watch along with um, perhaps Alfredo Morelos being sold by Rangers. They'll have to reinforce. Doesn't look like anything's happening mm-hmm. yet. Uh, Ryan Kent also received an offer from Leeds. Um some people are saying it's in the rounds of like 15 million, maybe 20 million. So um, those are both tempting offers for Rangers, you know, a team that, that really does need to sell players to kind of reinvest. Um, they don't quite have that sort of war chest um, from, you know, either international competition or uh, previous player sales. So um, I'm interested to watch that. Uh, and on top of that, I think the only thing I would say I'm all that curious about is um, this mm-hmm. Dortmund squad, especially since it looks like they're keeping Jane Sancho. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting one. I, I don't know. We talked about Bayern earlier. I still don't think that Bayern loses the Bundesliga. Um, I think no. Dortmund will come in second, and you'll probably have Leipzig in third, and just everybody, you know, like dominoes falling into place after that. Um, but I think it will be interesting to see them in Europe. Hopefully they can finally get, you know, a lucky draw for them and get out of that sort of round of 16 quarterfinals type of stage um, instead of being, you know, drawn against probably, you know, like Real Madrid or any other club that's in form at the time. Um, I think that's sort of played mm-hmm. them over the last couple of years. Uh but no, Dortmund, Dortmund's a really interesting one, and there'll be a lot of fun to watch with Sancho, and I think Holland is, he's unbelievable, man, and I think he's going to do special, special things in his career, and he's going to do special, special things this year for them as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. Um, so that actually wraps up all of the uh, takes that we wanted to kind of yeah. go over today. Um, give our opinion, and um, we'll see how wrong or right we are. Come probably you know towards the middle of the season. I think that'll be a good time to check back in yeah, on those. Definitely. I mean, I think they're um, all going to be right. Um, yeah. that's my opinion. But we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Well, hey, we can be ambitious. Um, well, Carl, we are pulling up. Um, at quite a bit of time on the clock here so i think i'd just like to wish our listeners adieu and uh thanks for sticking with us you know this is you know this has been sort of it's been a travel this one you know there was a long flight to uruguay and then we came back you know had some other things to talk about but it's uh we we hope you all kind of enjoyed what you're listening to i hope we taught you some stuff and you know like we always say at the end of every podcast like if you have any comments questions concerns um uh, any criticism well criticism you can send to a different email but um if you have any of those things if you just want to reach out to either our email which is touchline takes at gmail.com um or you can follow us on twitter at touchline takes um you can message us there dms are open slide on in any requests you know if you have any questions any topics you want us to discuss send them our way we'll try to get to them you know we are we're plugging away at this this is our third episode and we're having a lot of fun with it um as you can tell by the fact a lot of these podcasts are pushing an hour and a half you know maybe closer to two hours on this one but it's still it's 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 a lot of fun (laughs) um and if you listen to this whole thing my goodness you know praise you 
you, you deserve, deserve an, award. an award. Let us know um, that you listened, and we will send you something. Um, and if you want to send us Flight Simulator, we'll take that too. Um, I have a FC uh, Copenhagen jersey that doesn't <laughs> fit me. Exactly. Um, See, so I could definitely, That's... I could definitely uh, send that out to somebody. It's like a size. I don't know. I I don't know why I bought it. But it's definitely like a kid's size, like large mm-hmm. or XL. I don't know what went wrong. But yeah, so maybe that. Um, yeah, well, thanks, Carl. It was another great episode. Uh, always good Same to talk. Same to you. We'll be back next week with another world tour. And it's a little bit of a surprise next week's one. So uh, we'll let you know. We'll maybe announce it on our Twitter. Yeah, and, keep you on um, your toes. You'll see where we're going. But pack your bags because it's going to be a trip. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Well, thanks. Bye.